Welcome to the Leaders Edge podcast. I'm Sandy Laycox, Editor-in-Chief of Leaders Edge. In this podcast, sponsored by Axis, I talk with Anne Ha, CEO of Axis Re, which is the company's reinsurance arm. We discuss market headwinds and areas of opportunity in property and casualty, how the reinsurance market is working to correct itself, Axis Re's approach to emerging risk, and what it's been like for Anne one year into her role. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Anne, it's so great to have you here with me. I'm very excited for this conversation. Um, you are the CEO of Axis Re, so welcome. Thank you, Sandy. Great to be here. Uh, I'd love to just get started talking about your role a little bit. You have been in the role for about a year, and I'd love to see you sort of your reflections on the past year as well as what you are thinking about going forward. So we're a year on from the repositioning of ourselves as a focused global specialist reinsurer. And I have to be honest, I'm really proud of what we've achieved. Um, our strategy is clear. It's aligned with the overall access group strategy and reinsurance remains a key contributor to the company and a complementary part to the broader specialty portfolio. Uh, one of the key highlights was the highly supportive broker and client relationship really highlighted how broad and deep the relationships uh, we had across our business in the chosen lines that we um, remained in. And we worked really hard to keep earning their trust, um, to be thoughtful solutions providers, not just pushing product. Um, and their partnership and their commitment was very much appreciated and very, very important um, to what we were able to achieve. A second, I would say our team really led from the front foot. Um, they led with confidence, both offensively and defensively, um, really focusing on clear, transparent risk appetite, service delivery, you know, really being out there as a quoting market um, and, and really sharing, you know, what we were really looking to achieve and how we could find mutual benefit in doing that together. And our numbers show it. You know, our Q2 results um, really highlight some of that meaningful progress. Um, for example, we had a 47% increase in our new business writings in our targeted lines. Wow. You know, we retained 87% of the business we wanted to retain. 4% um, premium growth, if you exclude the exited lines. And we continued to expand our margins. We selectively grew. And we maintained a bottom line profitability focus. So, you know, honestly, I step back and I'm proud. If I think about where we're going... Um, you know, we're committed to advancing our position now as a specialist with a commitment to the lines of specialty, credit, A&H, and casualty. You know, we have a clear strategy, really focused on strong cycle management to make sure that we're delivering a balanced portfolio, that that bottom line profit focus um, remains ahead of premium growth targets, and that we're delivering outperformance across the market cycle. You know, there's a lot of headwinds, which we might touch on, and we need to effectively uh, manage those headwinds while at the same time capitalizing on the harder market environment um, that we're continuing to see um, over the year to selectively grow. And then I think it's also for us about enhancing our integrated operating model to continue to drive efficiency and scalability um, as we move through the cycle. So with this strategy as our foundation, you know, we will really lean into the specialty lines um, in the past with the focus, you know, really on casualty 
and property, specialty was the area, you know, we, we didn't lean into as strongly. And we truly believe that's the opportunity to have a more balanced book, um, but also really aligned to the strategy of the future. We'll take a cautious approach to casualty unless we see further market improvement, particularly in the GL and PL um, classes. And we will you know, continue to incrementally um, enhance and evolve our niche businesses. And for those, we define those as A&H, uh, workers comp, motor, and our capital risk solutions group. So I think all important as well to note is these things are all great, but we need to continue to invest in our talent and expertise, continue to learn as much as we can from the data and analytics that we capture to better inform our decisions. And as I've highlighted the importance of our broker and client relationships. Absolutely, absolutely. All great points um, and great to see the success of the past year so far um, as you position yourselves for the future. Thank you. Let's dig uh, a little bit deeper into some of these lines that you touched on a little bit. As you mentioned, you've really been strategic in streamlining the reinsurance focus, cutting back on unprofitable lines, leaning into others. As far as the marketplace itself goes, where specifically are you seeing more opportunity? And then where, and you mentioned this a little bit, but where do you see areas of caution, the real need for caution? Overall, the market I think presents, you know, quite a few challenges at the moment, but but also opportunities. It's obviously highly dynamic um, and, and evolving. You know, the headwinds we face are not specific to us, but specific to our industry and the world in which we operate. Social inflation, economic inflation, rising interest rates. Specifically on the casualty side, the uncertainty around loss costs and concerns around loss reserves on some of the back years. You know, then if you're in property or some of the other um, climate exposed lines, the impact of climate change, increase in losses from secondary perils, you know, and obviously increased geopolitical risks around the world. So the way I look at it, it's such a rapidly changing environment and our clients needs are evolving at a pace faster than if we look in the rear view mirror. Um, so we see plenty of opportunity to build on the momentum and to further grow the business. Um, and I'll, let me let me touch a little bit on, on the areas I think we can do so. Another sort of, I guess there is some opportunity relative to some um, tailwinds. By that I would say capitals remain fairly limited and capitals also remain very disciplined. You know, we still expect rate to be above trend across most of the lines, more so in the specialty than the casualty. Um, and we think positive conditions um, will continue in the near to intermediate term. Um, but as I said, not one size fits all, you know, and I think it's about being able to be nimble and adapt um, in the respective lines where we see that opportunity. I think being able to provide clarity of risk appetite enables us to differentiate by line. Um, and I think we've done that successfully over the last year and we'll continue um, to lean into that as we move forward into 24. You know, where we've been able to capitalize on some of the lines with strong rate growth, uh, marine, uh, credit insurity, mortgage, and some others. And then we've also seen a lot of movement in terms and conditions. Um, and so for us, it's really making sure that we strike the right risk reward balance. Um, so if I think about areas of opportunity, you know, agriculture, 
you know, there's really four key main markets there. We'll continue to be meaningful in those markets, um, but a lot of it depends on, um, you know, the government obviously is quite active um, in some of the structures of those transactions. So it's about making sure you're bringing value and being meaningful in your share size. Um, but we do see the opportunity to continue to expand there as well as evaluate opportunities more geographically. Um, credit and surety. Um, we've made an investment in um, structure credit and political risk. Um, and so you'll see us uh, looking to expand the product set there um, as well as trying to do a bit more geographically. And on the Marine side, you know, we brought in a new head of Marine over the last six months. Um, and there we're looking to be complementary to our insurance business because we're also um, a market on, on that side. Um, but we really see room to, to move there with stronger rate environment, um, stronger wording, um, and, you know, certainly transactions getting more back to what a true marine policy should cover um, and not sort of broad, extensive language like in the past. So four main sort of initiatives for us that are more thematic would be continuing to reduce that net volatility, optimizing the specialty lines, creating better balance in our book, where over the cycle, you know, specialty becomes a bigger piece um, and depending on the casualty market um, might become a smaller piece of the book. Pursuing that selective growth one area also we've leaned into is cyber. We used to write cyber. We write a uh, we have a large portfolio on our insurance side, um, but within the reinsurance uh, team, we predominantly wrote it as a strategic accommodation uh, to some of our key clients. Um, but we actually see the market quite strong um, on on the re side, and therefore this year have been growing more in that space and expect that to continue. However, you know, very tight limits management high-risk selection, a geographical diversification, and cap treaties, which gives us comfort. But I think it's really about being able to flex quickly. Cycle management is something we talk about, but not everyone does it effectively. Um, so that means for us growing um, where it makes sense, making sure we've got those leading indicators, not just rear view mirror uh, indicators, and that we're able to sort of maximize the opportunities that we have with the clients that you know we want to grow shares with um, in terms of the transactions we already have with them. Absolutely. And, and some very sort of challenging, but, but, but definitely room for opportunity lines that you mentioned, cyber, you know, surety, all these things affected by the, the, the larger environmental conditions that, you know, climate change, inflation, those things. So it sounds like you really, you're really focused on some, some interesting, <laughs> some interesting opportunities there. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely, Sandy. And it, you know, I think what's important is to stay true to your core and your purpose. And I think that's what the team is doing is really specialist focus, being relevant and meaningful, differentiating ourselves through that solutions mindset, through um, being active and listening, mm -hmm. being active to what's keeping them up at night and how we can try to find, you know, ways in which to solve even the, the problems of the future we don't know about today. Yeah. And those are certainly areas where I would imagine you, you, you hear a lot, mm -hmm. a lot of need from the insured. Mm -hmm. um, in thinking about how things are affecting the insured these days. We do hear a lot from, from brokers and from carriers about the 
high premium, um, high premiums, uh, the, the reinsurance, you know, being higher, the attachment points being different in some of these more challenging lines. So talk to us a little and then and then sort of how that sort of trickles down to the insured. So talk to us from the reinsurance point of view. Um, discuss this trend and just how how you all are seeing it and sort of, you know, let's let's hear that perspective so we can get a complete view of what's really happening there. So ultimately, the reinsurance market needs to correct. You know, the cost of capital has eroded over the prior five years. And one year of improvement isn't going to make up for that. Um, I was pleased to hear at, at, at the Monte Carlo rendezvous that reinsurers are you know, staying firm on their resolve that the hard market needs to remain strong. Um, and it's not just about getting more rate, but it's also about holding on to that traction that's been achieved with terms and conditions, um, seating commission reductions, structure changes, you mentioned attachment points. Um, it is putting more risk on the insurers, and some of them are looking for innovative ways to solve for that. But you know, I think we weren't charging the appropriate price to pay for risks in that frequency exposure, and that's really um, what the market is correcting for. So I do think 2023 is a transition year, and that there will be a continuation of improving conditions. Um, that rebalancing of risk sharing and rate adequacy needs to continue because risk adequate returns are needed across the industry in order to, to, to stay in business. Um, and while a lot of the market commentary has been more pronounced on property, um, you know, where the market is certainly hardest it's been in many, many years, um, you know, we are obviously seeing that trends um, continue across many of the lines of business, including in the long tail space, although not as I said, exactly the same, um, certainly differentiated by line and by seeding. I think making sure you differentiate the performance of your seedings, um, as well as how they're contemplating some of these headwinds in the way they price their business and in the way they reserve for risk is absolutely critical. But we can't, you know, as an industry and, and as Axis re-afford to become complacent, um, the work isn't done and the loss trends aren't showing signs of slowing. So, you know, we ultimately believe the focus of our business on the specialist space, you know, allows us to be well positioned for profitable growth across the cycle. Um, and we want to be a sustainable uh, market uh, for our students going forward. And it is interesting, you know, last fall, all you heard about, you know, post Monte Carlo was that property reinsurance conversation. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the conversations are like this fall and then going into next year and and if they sort of reflect you know sort of the the comments that you're that you're saying and the the need for this to 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 make sure that there is solvency all around no i mean it, you know i would say there was less property talk at monte carlo and there was more casualty talk Interesting. you know about about you know your pricing for some of the unknowns um and you know you're pricing a long tail line um, where there's not much certainty. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I think ensuring that the the clients, the students under, you know, are able to articulate how they're improving the, the limits management, the risk selection, the balance in their books, as well as how they're pricing for, you know, inflation and, and these risks is critically important for us as a reinsurer to be able to gain confidence um, in that portfolio 
and and be able to have more confidence in our pricing you know so let's see let's see how uh, the conversation continues but yeah, casualty uh, certainly more of the more of the dialogue this year yes we'll have to be looking out for that as as we go into some of these fall meetings um so one more sort of larger question for you as we continue to see this challenging risk as we've been talking about climate cyber this some of the systemic risk that we we can't really pinpoint but it's definitely there how can the industry prepare to better serve clients with you know new innovations uh obviously talent comes in here talk to us a little bit about access re's approach to that so you know within access re i've referenced we're very solutions orientated um, and how we look at specialty business and how we underwrite our business. So amidst these challenges, as I said, it's it's about tailoring solutions, uh, not just pushing a product um, in the chosen lines and, and to address those evolving needs. You know, we've tried to focus on listening um, so we can better understand the problem our clients are individually trying to solve for. You know, is it earnings volatility? Is it capital relief? Is it addressing some of those frequency uh, loss activity layers. You know, we can serve better serve our clients through deep product expertise and responsive client service, um, which is why, you know, being focused in our approach, I think has and hopefully will continue to serve us well. So let me think, let me look at it from a different lens. I think, you know, one interesting aspect of this discussion and part of what we, we grapple with is how emerging technologies are addressing systemic risks. You know, they're very connected. You know, so for example, Axis recently invested in future-proof technologies, which is a provider of innovative climate risk underwriting solutions as part of our commitment to support the transition to a low carbon economy. But then when you think about it, new AI technologies are also a driver of emerging risks. So once information, for example, is fed into a chatbot, it joins the vast volume of data that AI can draw for future queries. Um, and so then that, you know, that technology could pose risks within proper use and lead to data breaches, uh, amongst other things. So, you know, I think it's important to strike the right balance between, you know, allowing people to innovate um, and trying to, you know, think about what's coming next and how to solve it. But at the same time, making sure there's appropriate sort of guardrails in place um, and controls. I think as an industry, these tools present exposure to a new form of cyber attacks, um, which we need to fully understand, prepare for, price adequately for, in order to provide coverage. And you know what I think about is systemic risks, evolving client needs, they all highlight the importance of innovation, and they also highlight the purpose of our industry and our business. Because we have a responsibility uh, to be proactive and to be ahead of what's coming next, um, to find ways to address the plethora of uninsurable risks, um, but also to play a role in closing the protection gap. So I think looking in the rearview mirror for trends won't solve the challenges ahead. Um, it's really about investing in expertise for the future. Like, for example, some roles um, are requiring different skills than what we might have hired for in the past. You know, underwriters today need to be able to leverage different data sources and technology and systems um, to be able to really properly risk select, properly price. Um, and that's maybe a different mindset and a different skill set than, you know, than the past. 
It won't take away from the importance of relationships. This will always be a relationship business. Um, and that element of um, building trust and negotiating and coming to mutual um, solutions will be key. But we've got to be able to manage the vast uh, data sources and analytics and leverage them effectively. Um, and, and I also think it's about adapting swiftly to change because the pace of change in the last 10 years has been nothing like I've experienced in the first 20 years of my career. Um, and so how, the best and most successful reinsurers will be those, in my opinion, that um, evolve the quickest, are nimble in their av ability to respond, um, and that are able to differentiate themselves um, in how they, how they respond to, to these risks, to the industry as a whole, and in particular, to their engagement with clients and brokers. Great points there. Uh, and touching on sort of the, the risk of new innovation along with what it can achieve for us. So I think, you know, looking at both of those together and thinking that is, 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 is really a great way to look at it and prepare for the future as we, as everyone tries to innovate and experiment with what's out there, um, which we see all the time. No, I agree. I agree, Sandy. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been great. It's been a, a, a great insights into the reinsurance world and what's going on over at Access Re as you all continue this evolution of the company and congratulations on your first year. Thanks, Sandy. Appreciate your time and thanks for the insightful and thoughtful questions. That was Ann Haas, CEO of Access Re. For more Leaders Edge podcasts, go to leadersedge.com or subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud.